A big thanks goes to our producers for this week's episode. Danielle, Ginger, Mike, Kat, Devin, Savannah, Pixel Donut, Janelle, Michelle, Diane, Joy, Josh, Shorty, Lauren, Rebecca, Araceli, Kehlani Hawaii, Obese J, Katie, Rory, Kaylee, Bradley, and Christelle. If you're interested in becoming a member of the official Nightmare Society Campfire Online, you can find us on patreon.com slash nightmare society. It's a way you can show support for the podcast, or if you're just interested in bonus episodes, early access, and other fun stuff, that's where all that is. There are a few tiers for you to choose from, starting from as low as a dollar a month. Thanks to our contributors for sharing their stories with us tonight. User Nate 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 808, user the UK guy 87, and user Joe High. Lastly, don't forget the Nightmare Society podcast can be found anywhere you get your podcasts as well as YouTube. And there's a new episode every Thursday. You can find us on Instagram at Nightmare Society Radio. So go over and give us a follow. And the merch shop is also linked in the episode notes as well. Now, get comfy and prepare yourself for another episode of The Nightmare Society. I was living in Belize a few years ago, the capital of the Republic of Georgia, running a kind of legally ambiguous consumer credit operation when I figured it was time I took a much-needed weekend getaway in a nearby small town. The town I settled on is an extremely popular tourist location, given its beautiful location along a river nestled in a deep valley and rife with ancient churches. With many options for potential guest houses, hotels, and rentals, I decided to not book in advance, and just to traipse around until I found something appropriate. I found a very adequate guest house perched on a hill, with about a one-acre plot. Upon entering the guest house, I was greeted in typical Georgian fashion by an incredibly hospitable woman in her 60s to 90s, maybe. Hyperbole, but former Soviet Union is like that aging-wise. And her son, who was in his early 30s, who resumed his yard work of filling a large hole he said was a septic tank with a foul, lingering smell after a brief introduction. Again, in typical Georgian fashion, the hostess offered me tea, homemade wine, bread, and cheese, all of which were much needed and fantastic. I'm an American, but my family came from Eastern Europe, so I speak Russian, as most Georgians do, so we were able to chat a lot. Our conversation progressed from basic get-to-know-you bits to more personal information like whether I'm seeing anyone, and who I am dating, which does come up in surprising frequency when you meet sweet grandmothers who want you to meet their granddaughters. At the time, I was dating a fellow expat from a Western European country. When I told the hostess that I was seeing someone, she seemed thrilled, and asked me to show her a photo. 
She reacted with an ah and nodded in approval, commenting on her physique in a way that would probably be inappropriate if it wasn't a cute old grandma. I was then pressed by the hostess as to why I didn't invite her and how that isn't what a good boyfriend would do. Put on the spot like this, I lied and said she was very busy with a work project. She was not, but would be arriving later in the evening. Did not ask. The hostess was elated by this news and called over her son and asked me to show the photo of the girl I was seeing. Early in our conversation, it was established that I did not speak in Georgian. The son saw the photo and affirmatively nodded and spoke in Georgian to the hostess briefly and then turned to me with a beaming smile and a thumbs up and said in English, Very pretty, you lucky brother. He then in Russian asked if I texted her to invite her there. I lied and said I did text her and reiterated that she was arriving in a few hours. It was around 4pm at the time and a beautiful golden hour glow that lit up the surrounding mountains and valley. The son said he will join us and asked if I like cha-cha. Cha-cha is a very strong national liquor of Georgia, ranging from 30 to 75% alcohol content and made from distilled grapes. I had become quite the savant of cha-cha, and despite some strange feelings about their fixation on the female visitor, I obliged. Cha-cha is not for the weak-hearted, but I was very used to consuming it at the time. I should have paid more notice to the very intentional placement of the shots he filled for us, but I pushed those misgivings aside and had the shot after a very traditional toast. Around 20 minutes later, I felt exhausted and ill, and excused myself to my room saying I needed a quick nap. Walking to my room, I knew something was amiss. As mentioned in the beginning, I was fronting a questionable business and I did have a firearm in my bag and made a mental note to take it and put it under my pillow. But, as one can imagine, it's not easy to remember things even on a short term when apparently drugged. Despite failing to collect my weapon, I did close my blinds as the afternoon sun was blaring into the room, and I wanted darkness. Passing out around 4.30pm, I awoke to darkness at 4.45am with a raging headache. My window shades were partially open despite me closing them before passing out. They were open with about two feet of space visible to the outside. My bags were not in the position I left them, and the television was on and on high volume, despite me never using it and the door was only partially closed. I peered out the window and didn't see anything, so I quickly went to my bag retrieved my firearm, and went to the bathroom with the intention of calling my co-workers or a driver to pick me up. I had no cell service and no Wi-Fi despite having perfectly fine reception the day prior. 
I went back to the bed with the weapon under my pillow, with zero desire or inclination to fall back asleep. After an hour or so of pretending to be asleep, I saw the sun peer through the window to get a look inside. At this point I was certain it was not my imagination playing tricks on me, and that I was actually in trouble. I came out around sunrise to find both the hostess and her son sipping tea on the deck and told the hostess that my girlfriend was arriving soon on a bus and that I'd bring her when it arrived. I grabbed my backpack and left my other bag to give the impression I was not fleeing. I got service immediately after leaving the property and called a partner to pick me up. I told this old school, quote, businessman who was floating the money I'd run the lending operation with, my story, and he said he would handle it. He did handle it. I still think about the foul-smelling hole the sun was digging. Last guest? Weeks later, I decided that wasn't the place or business for me and applied to law school on the other side of the world. podcast listener are you that weirdo in your group of friends who loves horror movies i sometimes like to see sick nasty things and this is kind of a sick nasty movie do you wish you knew other weirdos who could let you know what's worth seeing in theaters and help you find those hidden gems on streaming platforms no the trailer should be like it'll make you feel uneasy then you should check out the bloodlust because that's what we've been doing since 2014 Every other week, we bring you a new in-depth review of films from all over the wide map of horror. I'm always fond of found footage movies. That's a lot of Fs. Nordic noir. Ooh, I love it. Ghost jumping out of you does not a horror movie make. (laughs) Highbrow or lowbrow, indie or blockbuster, the bloodlust respects them all. I love me a good epic adventure. We pride ourselves on giving our opinions without being snobs or D-bags about it. I don't like this movie. 100%. Not but. Yeah, yeah, and I hate movies that are over two hours long just on principle. Sometimes we can get a little dark. Mental torture. That's what life is. That's what adult life yeah. is yeah, like. I, yeah, I know. I don't need any more of it. Right. See, that's But it's thing. very cathartic to me. But it's all in good fun. So come join us at thebloodlust.net or wherever you listen to podcasts and celebrate the best and most misunderstood genre of them all. That's the difference between me and you guys. You guys saw it and you were like, wow, interesting exploration of the human feelings. And I saw it and I'm like, my nervous system is overloaded and I'm going to vomit. When this happened, I was 17 years old, and I was living for a few years in a small house with my mom after my parents divorced six years prior. The house wasn't huge, but we had one floor with our bedrooms and a small garden. We also have a dog, who is not really scary. It's one of those small dogs with a lot of hair. His biggest fault is that he barks a lot during the day, every time someone is close to the garden. That annoyed me and my neighbors a lot. It's important to notice that my dogs never bark at night and always sleep with me in my bed. Anyway, one night in the middle of the night, I had a dream where I heard a constant dog barking. 
In my dream, it felt like it lasted a thousand years, but I think it only lasted for a few seconds. When I woke up out of that nightmare, I didn't feel the weight of my dog on my feet. I felt like something was wrong, and then I realized my dog was actually barking and growling. I didn't understand what was happening. I just looked for my dog and saw him on top of the stairs, his head turned towards the front door. The door opening to the garage was actually on the side of the front door. Our stairs leading down to the rest of the home with the living area where the front door and the garage door were. I jumped out of my bed and rushed to the top of the stairs where my dog was. There I saw the shadow of a man standing just at the bottom of the stairs next to the front door. I wasn't even able to scream. I just took my dog in my arms by reflex and ran towards my mom's room. My mom was just waking up. She takes medication to sleep so it's very hard for her to wake up. Thank God the door of her bedroom can be locked with a key. Even though I was shaking like hell, I locked the door. My mom understood what was happening when we heard footsteps coming from the stairs. We froze in a corner of her bedroom, and she grabbed her phone to call the police. While we were trying to reach the cops, the guy started shaking the door handle and then punching the door. After a moment, he stopped, and this psycho laughed. <laughs> That's when my mom had what I think was a good idea. She screamed at the top of her lungs that she called the police and to get out. <laughs> After a moment, we heard him going downstairs, still laughing. We didn't dare move until we heard the police officers. When they arrived, no one was there. In the living room on the table, there was a note where he had written, See you soon. <laughs> they said later that apparently the guy got in and out by the garage door, which has a back door that at the time we always left open. Immediately after that, we went to live with my grandparents for a while, and then moved out into a new house a couple of months later. We never heard of this guy again, but we always check every door is locked before going to bed. And I have trouble falling asleep ever since. For almost a year, I have to wait until it was four in the morning to go to sleep, just to be sure he didn't find us and try to sneak into our home again. I'm from the UK but I have relatives living over in Alberta, Canada, and every so often I fly over there with a few other family members to visit. And on this occasion, I'm sat a few aisles back from the rest of my family, which I don't have a problem with, as I get to do word searches uninterrupted and don't have to listen to the bickering. I'm quite happy doing my word searches and drawing mustaches on women in magazines when this guy who's sitting in the center aisle just leans forward and starts looking at me all weird. I ignore him and continue my productive activities. FYI, I'm sitting in the outmost window seat of a 3-4-3 seat formation, and I'm on the right side of the plane. 
the staring guys in the second seat and the four center seats. A sleeping old woman is closest to me. He continues to stare at me, so I let it go as him being weird, and I pretend to sleep, hoping he'll lose interest. But I can still feel him staring, so I open my eyes and try to read more of my book. He keeps staring for another 30 minutes before getting up and just walking up and down the aisles, which I think I dismiss as being perhaps nervous or stressed activity. He disappears, then sits back in his seat muttering to himself, and I try to listen, but he stops abruptly, then slowly leans forward and robot-like turns his head right to face me. So I looked back at him, now quite agitated. He stares back for a few seconds and then starts muttering to himself again, and starts bumping his head on the seat in front of him. He keeps up this weird behavior for the majority of the flight, and starts humming loudly while we come in to land. I'm growing increasingly agitated by his behavior, and I'm thankful to get off the plane. As I'm getting my luggage from the overhead, I hear a voice in my ear whisper in what can only be described as an insane voice say, Those books are real good. <laughs> I turn around and ask him what he's on about, and he just smiles and walks off whistling, all of a sudden energetic, as he waits to get off the plane. It bugs me what he says, and when we are picked up from the airport, I check my luggage and find my book. Glamorama by Brett Easton Ellis has been opened and drawn on in Chapter 3 of a man taking a book out of a bag. So, creep on the plane. Let's never meet again. Thanks so much for listening. Don't forget to check out our Instagram, Patreon, and Merch Shop, all of which are linked in the episode description. Thanks so much for listening, and until next time. Sweet. <laughs>